You're listening to Bring Me the Axe. I'm Brian White, and one half of this morbid equation, and I'm joined by my co-host and actual brother, Dave White. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm pretty good. Uh, I went out last night for all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Oh, is that the thing where they had the plate in the middle of the table? Yeah, it was. It's the first time I've ever done that. And I'll tell you, the, the idea of all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. <laughs> Does and this like, look it, like it, a man who has had all he can eat? Yeah, it's like you're either you're either living life right or you're living life wrong, but you're not going to know which it is for about 12 hours. <laughs> it yeah. was an experience. It was a real experience. Yeah, I'd heard of it. and then like Because they don't do that shit around here. This is not a sophisticated place to live. But when we went to Hollywood... We, we, we went to a spot that was off the off the boulevard that did it. And at first I was like, this is some fucking bullshit. This meat is, is garbage. And then a friend of mine who had like lived there and had done this before was like an expert was like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. You got to mix it up. Here's the sauces and shit. And then after yeah. that, it was amazing. But yes, a little bit more greenery would be nice instead of a mm-hmm. gigantic pile of meat that they just keep yeah. adding to. That's, yeah. that's some crazy shit. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great week. We announced a new show a few days ago, we did. and we did do that. and let me tell you, man, the response we got from that announcement was really something. Um, if you have not heard yet, we're going to be going weekly starting on January 1st, and this show will continue to be bi-weekly, but on Bring Me the Axe's Off Weeks, we'll be doing a new show with a very similar format called 99 Cent Rental, which is dedicated to all the weird, trashy movies that otherwise don't fit in this particular format, so like car chases and action movies, break dancing and martial arts. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, yeah. One of them is delivery boys. And that movie is the craziest thing. I, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm looking, I'm definitely looking forward to doing that one, but I think I saw a different movie than you did. Cause when it was done, I was like, well, it's, it's just, a, it was like a break dancing movie, but with a, like a lot of hustlers. <laughs> it's just like, everybody's like, what if, what if break two, but everyone's a male prophet? <laughs> it's, it's that. That's the movie it's, I saw. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, we, we've also got we've also got 1990 Bronx Warriors on the, on the slate, and then uh, yeah, we're at the so the first week we're doing three movies. We're doing those two, and then we're going to launch with um, one of my picks, a movie that I just recently discovered called Beyond the Seventh Door. That is, is it's something I have been describing it as an anti movie lately. Hmm. Yeah. So, hey, Dave, hmm. who's this over here? We have a guest. We have <laughs> a guest. We have a New York Times best-selling Ooh. author. Yeah, I know. Well, this Ooh, is a major uh, upgrade and, for us. <laughs> yeah. And and the co-host of not one, not two, but three <laughs> very popular podcasts. And most importantly, my friend, we have Elena Urquhart. Hi, Elena. That was an amazing introduction. That was a really great introduction. It was spirited in ways that we have we have not done. I hope our other guests don't feel jealous or nothing. Jeez, well, they got to work up to stuff, you know. Yep. <laughs> it's the friend title is my favorite. <laughs> you well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I invited you here because so uh, uh, for some context for everybody, Elena and I tend to agree on pretty much absolutely everything Yep. in all like up to and including uh adolescent celebrity crushes uh (laughs) shout out to gary from are you afraid of the dark hell yeah um (laughs) the glasses and uh but you know what you know where we don't agree is hellraiser this is where we diverge i well here's the thing is you like i this is where we agree because I don't know what else we agree on, but I, I think that we can agree that uh, on Hellraiser being a, a hell of a movie. Dave, I 
I, we'll get we'll get into it, but yeah. I don't I don't understand how <laughs> I'm on an island. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 weird. This better not be like Halloween 2018 all over again. Oh, God, God, fuck that movie. That was terrible. <laughs> it was be like a reverse of our of our Rob Zombie Halloween episode. I, I, uh, <laughs> After I it was over, I was I was like, oh my God, I hope I I hope Heather didn't feel like attacked throughout the entire thing. <laughs> oh no, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready for this. I know what I'm getting into. I know, I know my feelings are very uh, niche, so uh, I'm coming to I feel like I'm, I'm the odd one out on this one because everybody <laughs> fucking loves this movie, and I just – I don't see it. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand where you're coming from. Yeah, you're definitely <laughs> the odd – I love it. You're the odd one out here. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> so we practically grew up in neighborhood video stores and the steady diet of utter garbage that those shops provided us with continues unabated to this day. And there's no one else I enjoyed chopping it up with more about trashy movies than Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before we get into it, here's a little housekeeping. If you want to get, keep up with us between episodes, you can also find us on uh, Instagram at uh, Bring the Axe Pod. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave's over there at uh, That Queer Wolf. We're having, a, we're having a real good time over there. It's a. Uh, Turned out to be a lot more fun than it would be. I kind of thought Instagram was going to be a real fucking labor, but you know. it's kind of fun. It is no, like just, once you it's have dog better. videos and yeah, well, it's gotten better. Yeah, for me, it's a shitload of cat videos and then people like raving about horror movies. So yeah, yeah. you know, it's, that's all the, you need, really. The 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 algorithm gets me, but I really would like I, I, a little bit more control over it. So like every third video isn't Ghostface or Michael Myers like pole dancing or twerking because I feel like I see like. <laughs> I got like an hour's worth of those like 30 second clips like every single day. And it's just. I love that for you. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, the algorithm really does know me. So like, what the fuck is that saying about me? (laughs) I used to, when I, a long time ago, pre, uh, pre Trump's election, I used Facebook. And I remember I used to get a lot of like weird, like Christian ads. And it's like, uh, the algorithm definitely did not get me. Because I am not your girl. Yeah. Or maybe it did, and it was like, we need to save his soul. Yeah, I was trying to believe (laughs) Maybe they know something I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You can also contact us. uh, Sorry, let me jump back there. Uh, We also got a sweet website at bringmetheaxe.com. Listen to all our past shows there and read the transcripts. You can also contact us directly at bringmetheaxepod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Do let us know if there's a movie that you love and would like to hear us give it the business. And lastly, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And you'd be doing us a big favor by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So get to it. God damn it. Like, what do we got to do? And tell your <laughs> friends. Tell all your friends. Every single tell one everyone. of them. I don't, even if they don't like horror movies, just be like, listen, these guys are fucking funny. So yeah. hire a skywriter. <laughs> tell, tell oh my anybody. god! See, see, <laughs> that, that's the that's the best way, the most efficient right? way to get okay, messages. Yeah. See, now I get it. Now I understand yeah. how you how you guys are so big because like you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking. I'm not Sky thinking skywriters. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> right in the sky and gossamer teardrops. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to get uh, get all that out of the way right at the top of the show. So as we said, it's Hellraiser. So let's uh, let's give you a little taste of what we're doing. I have seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. Ah! 
have imagined. A nightmare. No. Unlike anything you have witnessed. Is born. Because within these walls, the unholy is unleashed. shit right there yeah that's a real visual one isn't it yeah I mean, guy. that is it's a, a lot of shrill noise in that, yep. in that <laughs> it's a lot of and shrill that fucking stephen in... king quote from the beginning my you god know, he uses that for everything yeah, here's the thing I is, is way back in the day like when this movie came out and like i was buying fangoria magazine and shit that kind of a pull quote just carried so much water for me i'd be like oh my god is stephen king's into him than that but then what i would learn in my adult years is Stephen King says that about everybody. <laughs> you know, he hasn't said it about me. I want to... <laughs> Can I be next? Probably. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Like, uh, who's your agent? They got. They got to. Right. Know. Let's go. Yeah. Stephen on the line. Yeah, that is. Uh, that's that's that that trailer really really sells it. I wish Clive Barker actually was the future of horror. He's not. It turns out he's not. But it would have been a lot more interesting if he was. Uh, I would argue like that going into the nineties, I would definitely say that he had an outsized impact on like yes. what, what mm-hmm. came from it. I mean, at least until kind of scream came along and was just like, no, 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 we're doing slashers from now on. And everybody was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But like you can keep your weird demon sex movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love. I think that's one of the things the the demon sex, of course, but I love that this is like totally different. All right, I'm going to lay it out. That is, I'm going to lay this out because my argument is nothing's original. (laughs) I thought about this quite a lot because I was like, why don't I get this movie? I think I do get it, but my my thing about this is, I I do think Clive Barker is very very creative and very imaginative. I don't love his writing just because it's not really the style I'm that into, but. I think so. First of all, I think this came out at a time where it's a very ugly time for society in general. The, the color palettes are fucking terrible. There's nothing nice to look at in this movie. Everything's dumpy and run down and shitty. And I don't think that's part of the movie. I think that's just the way everything looked in 1987. I argue there's one nice thing to look at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think the biggest problem, I also think there's like weird structural problems with the narrative in general. Like there's a lot of continuity stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense. And, and uh, probably a lot of that is about editing. I will agree with you that this is a very, very, very clunky movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely the product of a person who's never made a feature film before, but let's contrast that with another Prolific, I was actually another thinking pro- about that pro- while I watched prolific it. Prolific horror author who only a year before decided to dip his toe into, into filmmaking with a movie that involved a lot of cocaine and trucks that drove themselves. <laughs> this movie is 10 million times more competent and engaging and interesting than Maximum Overdrive is. Uh, refer yes. to our Maximum Overdrive episode. <laughs> 
But um, here is my issue with the movie in general. This is the reason I've never liked it. It's the reason I don't like a lot of Clive Barker stuff broadly, is that I find the uh, presentation of supposedly deviant sexuality to be really watered down in this, and it feels really juvenile. Okay, to me. like it feels okay. like asking a twelve-year-old to explain S and M to you, and they're like, "Ah, oh, it's real dirty." Well, it's, like, it's, oh, it's okay. It's that way for for some pretty obvious reasons. The MPAA yeah. was super hard at this point. They were going really hard on um, thematic intensity, yes. and so, and not to mention the fact that this movie has an inherent queerness to it that is whitewashed hardcore because there there was no way in, in hell the producers were going to be like, you can't, you know, you can't. Make well, he it. was also not openly gay at this time. I mean, he was like with friends, but not publicly. Sure. But at the same time, it's so endemic to the rest of oh, the movie. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like you, he's built this, this aspect of the story. This sort of sexual imaginary is a big part of his story mm-hmm. and it's just his work in general. And when you remove big chunks of that, that imaginary, you end up with a story that feels like it's missing a lot of things. And that's how this movie feels to me is it feels really juvenile in its sort of construction of sexuality and of, of kind of, uh, you know, non-normative sex, I guess. And, and if you can't articulate a nuanced explanation of masochism, for example, even when it's so like core to your story, then you end up missing so much. And it just feels like this weird, like it's like, it's there for shock value. It's there to be titillating, but it's also supposed to be a big part of the story. So you're just kind of left with these kind of weird, gross out set pieces. And then uh, a kind of pseudo villain who looks cool as shit sounds awesome. Like Pinhead's the coolest part of this whole movie. He's only in it for five minutes or whatever. (laughs) So that that's my that's where I like I get it I know why this movie is important I can see why Clive Barker is a really creative person I just don't think they pull it off in this I think it was it, it is new I think that's probably why it dominated the way that it did is there really wasn't anything like that at Oh no the this time. this dropped this drops in 1987 so we'll do we'll do the uh, like the other movies that came out that year but the movie that we just did came out in 87 and it was yep. um, you know and it's just well, that one also kind of bucks the trends, but only because it's it's like a retro movie at a time when sort of expectations of slasher movies were, were much different. This one is just like, OK, there's no guy in a mask. There's no quippy supervillain uh, uh, like Chucky's a year out, like the the kind of expectations of, of horror at the time were very set in stone. You know, like if you were going to serve, if you're going to to succeed, it had to. You know, it had to sort of meet theatrical expectations. This one drops. It is nothing like anything and and no. like anything before it or anything since. I don't really I can't really think of anything that's like this movie. I put it on when I have a very specific um, sort of like a uh, uh, thirst that I like other movies just won't. Play. You know who has a similar vibe? Who's the guy who was married to Mila Jovovich? He made uh, uh, Resident Evil What's his oh. name? Paul oh. W. S. Anders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit like that. There's you less of a, a sexual component. Right? Uh, I can see like... that in Event Horizon. I definitely get some yeah. of that. Yeah. This is like the ultimate I can fix him story. <laughs> like, like, it really at is. At its core, when it's like boiled down, it's just Julia being like, I can fix him. I'm going to bring like, this he, guy back this from the grave. Just, so like, I can... the whole time, I'm like, but Julia, I think that's what the. 
that's what the the American distributors and like probably the studio even didn't get was like the villain in this movie is not the Cenobite. It's <laughs> no. Julia and Frank. Yes. No. And that's what I think threw a lot of people off was like, yeah. wait, these demon looking things, they're not the they're not the bad guys? It's like, well, not really. Not yet. No, they're just no. doing what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point Pinhead tells her like this isn't for your eyes. Like he's like, Turn around, girl, this isn't about you. Yeah. And it's like, I love that. But even after they kick her out. I know. She's like me. At, she's about like me to... to a bachelorette party at a drag drag show. This isn't for you. Get out of for here. Your eyes. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, let's run down some facts here because I got I got a shitload. I got a lot to talk about in this. Just in the, even before we even get into the details of the movie. <laughs> so other movies released that year. So this is 1987 again. Don't panic. Which I'm gonna yes. mention every time we do something in, in 1987. Yes, I fucking love that. I love that movie <laughs> to death. Uh, also, Blood Rage. See our Ooh. Blood Rage episode just came out. Don't love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Turns out, not not as big a fan as I thought it was. <laughs> yep. Also, Dario Argento's opera. Mm. Uh, you know what? I think that's probably his last good movie. That's when Dario Argento lost it. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I Can't Sleep comes out or Sleepless. That's the one with the needles in the eyes, right? Opera is the needles in the eyes one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, but let's let's get real let's get real filthy with this one. Ruggiero Deodato's Body Count, yeah. which is so bad. It's one of the yep. worst fucking movies I've ever seen. And then lastly, rounding it out, Delirium, Le Foto di Gioia. And I'll tell you what, that movie, not good at all. Wow, so 87 was killing it. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, that's why I'm like, this is, it's ugly, and it's a shitty time to be alive. <laughs> Weirdly, though, this is about the time, I think, when I, my memory kind of kicks in. Like, it's right around the time when I start to be, uh, like, an active participant in the world. Which <laughs> is why, being. kind of, it's why <laughs> this movie makes, made such an impression, because it is visually very stunning, especially mm-hmm. if you're a child. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. really, it really did, it really did stick with you. So the the director, as we've said, is Clive Barker. He's one of the freshest voices of '80s horror. You know, started apart from spawning the Hellraiser series, he's best known for his short story collections, The Books of Blood, and several extremely dark fantasy series. Um, for one of my money, he's one of the most original, just horror fiction writers of all time. And probably I don't think I've read anything of his. I think. Wait, no, I tried to read. Is it called Cold Heart Canyon? Yes. I tried to read that one. I thought it was a little bit boring. Definitely not the one to start with. Um, those books of blood, uh, I think there's five or six of them. Maybe I mean, there might even be seven at this point. But um, it's just short story collections, and they're all wicked good. Uh, but eventually, like, he does the Hellbound Heart, which is what this is adapted from. But he wrote that with the full in- with fully intending to adapt it to a film. It was like he wrote it with a- with an agenda. But, like, eventually, he, after this, and I think Nightbreed, he kind of goes back to being, like, an author. And he wrote uh, Weave World, which is really good. He wrote The Great and Secret Show, which is my personal favorite. Uh, and it all, it all sort of, this, it, it all kind of, like, this was, like, a launch pad for everything else that he's going to do, which is kind of, like, this idea that, like, there is a secret world hidden mm. beneath this one, and it is fucked up. And it's, like, one of my favorite horror movie tropes of all time. Um, he plays a huge role, obviously, in inspiring the whole splatterpunk thing in the 90s. So the cast, we've got Doug Bradley as lead Cenobite. Woo. Yep. He comes, <laughs> he becomes known as Pinhead uh, by the broader public. Almost For a man who wears a shitload of makeup and is covered in metal and leather, 
Oh, well, actually, never mind. I was going to say, I, I, you have an, an odd attraction to him, but I guess I kind of get it. <laughs> no, but I, I recently, I recently posted on Blue Sky that, like, uh, I'm definitely, I'm into the, I'm into the, the Cenobites. Yeah. How can, I mean, Pinhead, he, he looks great. Okay. It's and such he has, an and awesome I, look. He really does. And I, the one thing that always bothered me, and I'm sure we'll get into, like, what he, they look like more, but it always bothered me that his teeth were gross in this one. And then in the next yeah. movies, they, they all have real between, British teeth. But they switch between him having these beautiful white teeth and dirty teeth in all the rest of the movies. And yeah. I like it better with the clean teeth because for some reason that's scarier. Because dirty is uh, so easy to be scared of, I feel Oh, uh, like. yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like an easy one. I'm like, but well, the, there is something the perfect very white teeth about are like. Him. That's the thing. I feel like he wouldn't have dirty teeth. He's yeah. very like his 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 uh, kind of robes and dress thing that he's Even wearing. Even very like everything I mean, is very pristine yeah. about him. Yeah. yeah. So it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But. So uh, he's done a lot of other movies, um, and he even started out of acting in Barker's silent films and his stage plays. Uh, he's been around, but like we said, made a left a major scar on horror history with Pinhead. He's just you know immediately recognizable. And he's very humble, which is also nice because they're not always humble. <laughs> he's like, we had him on Scream and he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. It that's, was one of those like meet your hero moments. That's it was awesome. Like, Please be nice. That's a real, that's a real roll of the dice. Like I think I've, yeah. I've gone on record on here. Like I talked about meeting Tom Savini in our Maniac episode and it, it's like a, it's like a half hour story of, of, of a, of a train wreck of a meet and greet that, oh, that no. spiraled, spiraled into decades of active beef. And I'm pretty oh, sure no. that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it some other time. Or you can just <laughs> listen to our maniac episode. It's at about the 50 minute mark. Well, um, Doug Bradley's wonderful and his wife, Steph is like a sweetheart as well. That's so great. They're both lovely. <laughs> so, uh, we also got Ashley Lawrence. Uh, she's one of modern horrors, B greats. Love uh, her. This was her first major role. She'd go on to do three more before leaving uh, to do other projects. Um, everything else that she's done is, uh, I don't know, not really much worth talking TV, about. TV, mostly TV. Uh, she's done some TV and she's done a lot of like direct video stuff, but mm. yeah. And then uh, rounding it out, we got Claire Higgins, who is a prolific English actress. And then You're going to leave out Andrew Robinson? Oh no no no, Larry! Yeah no no no. I mean because I only do three, and I might as well talk about the majors. But yeah, <laughs> Andrew Robinson is in the Scorpio from Dirty Harry. I only know him as Scorpio. That's I, the only other oh, thing uh, I've ever seen him in. He's also the uh, the haircut obsessed uh, military guy in Child's Play three. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is a deep cut. No, I know. I just I, I just watched <laughs> I like it recently, that. and I was like, I was like, oh shit, yeah. Like, wait a Andrew Robinson. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, prolific English actress that Claire Higgins, uh, this and the sequel are among a short list of horror movies that she's done. Apparently she's never, she's never seen either of them because <laughs> she does not, she does not care for horror movies. Um, but yeah, her, her filmography is stuff that I'm sure is, is very relevant to, to, uh, people in England, but yeah, she's the only one that really had like a big career outside mm. of these. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty small cast, so yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So, some taglines for the movie. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Demon to some, angel to others. I love okay, that that's, one. That's the real one. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. It will tear your soul apart. Also the real one. <laughs> yep. And there's the one that's, there are no limits. 
Mm-hmm. The and then, and then here's another. Here's another one. We have such sights to show you. This is all fucking. Oh. This is all dialogue from the movie. But here's that. the, the one. sights to show you. One is from the reissue. It's from this... the Arrow reissue. Oh, gotcha. Uh, the but... sights to show you line is the one that I was like, I bet you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's here's the one. Here's the one. Here's my personal yep. favorite. Let's go. Get it. <laughs> Satan's done waiting. Hell yeah. <laughs> That cannot be real. That one cannot be real. It's it, it's it, as far as the IMDb is concerned, yeah. that is a real one. I have That's never phenomenal. seen that anywhere. It's also goofy oh, as shit. There's no way they put that on this movie. That is That's pure, magnificent. Pure 1987. I love it. Satan's done waiting. Satan's I'm going to get a t-shirt that says that. Right? Yeah, that that's going that's going straight on our merch. I love mm-hmm. that. Yep. So, this uh. movie was made on one million dollars, which was pretty small, even by nineteen eighty-seven standards, and man, does it look like it at times. <laughs> well, it's also distributed by New World, isn't it? Yeah. So that's not surprising at all. Yeah. They started out with a budget of less than less than a million, about nine hundred thousand, and then when they ran out of money, uh, they supplied another hundred thousand to finish. But it pretty much that. made that back in the first week. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. This movie made like in its initial theatrical run. It made it. It made like twenty million dollars. I was going to say that's what I thought. It and that's was. before like it, it hit video and before like there was merchandising and shit. So like, and that's nineteen eighty seven dollars. I mean, today that's like I. I don't even yeah. know how much. That's yeah. billions. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, adaptive. Don't you want to hear some good reviews for this one? Some contemporary reviews. Oh, I've got I've got one. So let's save it. Let's save it for that one because I've got Ebert's. Oh, I've got I got a quote from Ebert's okay. review oh, that I Ebert's that I take <laughs> that I take particular umbrage with. The but, half star review. Yeah, I actually agree with a lot of the, re- the reviews. Uh, so this is adapted from the Hellbound Heart. I recommend it. It's a fucking great book. It's better than the movie, you know. But as, as most novels are. Uh, it describes it spends way more time on the Cenobites and it, it describes them in much greater detail. And the way they're described are not like in the movie. Uh, but uh, there's a few differences. Uh, Larry was originally a character named Rory and Kirsty isn't his daughter in the book. She's just a friend who's like secretly in love with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So Barker took Sounds on familiar. <laughs> took on the project <laughs> shortly after the Hellbound Hearts publication because of his experience with his prior adaptations of his work that ended up less than stellar. That's uh, Rawhead Rex and a movie called Transmutations, which I've been meaning to watch, but I've just never seen it. That sounds like a full moon movie. It does. Yeah, it it has a poster like a like a full moon movie. Mm-hmm. Um he uh, he decided. Rawhead Rex is terrible. It's really fucking bad. The name yeah. of that is rough. It's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the plan was to adapt the Hellbound Heart to screen from the start. This is primary motivation for writing it. It really figures out the directing thing with Nightbreed, uh, but you can see what's taking shape with this one. And so Barker apparently enjoyed his time in the director's chair. Says that everybody was pretty cool with how completely inept he was at making a movie. <laughs> Though, I gotta say, movie has its shortcomings, but for a first-time feature, it's it's you could do a lot worse. Oh, this there is- are moments, though, where his inexperience really shows. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a a part of the a part of the thing that really bothers me about the movie is how obviously the house is really really small. In spite of the fact that everybody's like, "Oh my god, this house is so big," like they they reuse like shots over and over and like camera positions because it's pretty clear that like it was the only place in any given room to put the camera. Right. But yeah. Um, so yeah, he originally intended for the score to be composed by the industrial musical duo Coil. Um, 
They did do it. They it, did. It does exist. It does. I and I'm going to link to it in the show notes. It's fucking great. I love Coil. I've been a big fan of them since like the late '90s when I when I kind of discovered them in school. Uh, they're. I am not. I would that. not imagine that you'd be you'd be terribly interested in them. But like they like you said, they produce some demos. They're incredible. It's just utterly terrifying pieces of music. Um, I think Christopher Young's score is pretty good. I think it's okay. I do. I love this score. So, I think he gets Christopher Young gets a lot better as he got older and got more experience. That's I think is an early one for him. But his his newer stuff that he's done is actually pretty good. Yeah. So when Barker ran out of money, he went back to the studio who provided him with the cash to finish the special effects. But it came with some stipulations. One of them was that they, that they got to hire Christopher Young to score the movie. Um, so we get a perfectly functional, functional but uh, comparatively boring score. Uh, it uses some of Coyle's motifs, though. Uh, they have, they do eventually release their work as an EP titled "Unreleased Themes for Hellraiser." It's a long. I out want of print. to hear this now. I haven't heard it. It's great. It's on YouTube. I'll I'll link I'll hmm. link to it. Um, it probably costs a fucking fortune to own those those records if you can find them. So uh, Pinhead is not the name of the character in the script, and Barker apparently hates that name. Uh, it rose from the crew on the set of the movie and that uh, made its way out to Fangoria where it kind of became the de facto name of the character as far as the public is concerned and in the script he was called Lead Cenobite uh, and even then by uh, Barker's original intention the Butterball Cenobite was the lead but when the makeup application made it impossible to talk his lines were given to Pinhead and the Thank female goodness. Yeah. I believe they, were, <laughs> they had a fairly intimate relationship as far as I understand who? Uh, Clive Barker and the guy who plays Butterball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for but, them. Uh, yep. I mean, there was a there was a third person involved. I I believe <laughs> maybe was even it, a fourth. And was Pinhead's name also supposed to be like the priest? The I Hell Priest meeting, which yeah. I kind of like. Yeah. Oh is that yeah. The, I think Weirdly. it is. The, well, that's what it is in the new one, right? So yeah, in the new that, one, I think he was uh, one of the other ones who they wanted him to be called the priest. Eventually. Eventually, like, so eventually, like, ten sequels erupt <laughs> from this movie, and they completely get out, out of, out of, out of uh, Barker's control, and this is something that, like, I don't, I honestly don't blame him, because the sequels Yeah, this is arguably sure the worst <laughs> series in, in, of, like, the worst horror franchise out there. So what ends up happening is... Sorry, next to into... <laughs> And, and, yeah, and oh for God, the same yeah. reason, kind of. Yeah, yeah, so, so what ends up happening, is it, um... It's uh, it's the fucking Weinstein's again, right? Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. yeah, so they end up. It's like what ends up happening, and I think we've explained this in other in other episodes. Is is you get I, when we did Halloween. So when you get a property, you get the rights to it, but you have to use them. You can't just sit on them. And so what ends up happening is the the they get they get. And do the, you know why that is? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, just there's so that you, weird law that says you can't you cannot hold something. Uh, like unreleased if someone else wants to release it it's like either you have to do it or you have to give them the like you have to sort of well sure because i mean if if they Mm -hmm. didn't have a like a law like that like in place then people would just be buying up ip and then doing nothing with them that just kind of hold a hostage i wish someone would do that with marvel movies (laughs) me too (laughs) so so what ends up happening is is they don't really get any good ideas, but they don't want the rights to revert to whoever used to have them or to go up to auction or anything like that. So they keep they keep what they do is they keep taking in scripts for other movies and go, oh, this is really good. But what if we put Pinhead in there mm-hmm. and then some producer goes, awesome, let's do it. And so you get like 
uh, uh, you get like you, Hellraiser. You get nine lawnmower mans essentially. They are Basically. outrageous. At Some of them are just unfucking. <laughs> Why not in space? Um, there's that one. There's that one that sequel. I think it was the very fun. first one that doesn't have Doug Bradley in it as Pinhead. I've never seen it. Me I can't neither. remember what it's called. Watch it. <laughs> but it, it has. But but the guy that they do get. There's all these photos of him floating around, and I I swear to God, and I'm being totally honest about this. I used to think. That it was an SNL spoof of Hellraiser, <laughs> yes, with, Bo- with Bobby Moynihan. As, oh no, as Pinhead, he looks, he looks wild. That is, bad. Is Bobby Moynihan is a larger man, is he not? <laughs> yeah, and apparently this so like is this jacked. Pinhead. Like he yeah. looks, yeah. he's not Pinhead. But yeah, you'll just look it up. I, yeah, and then and then eventually I was like, holy shit, that's not that's not it's what I, it's a real movie. <laughs> it's like when but, Kane Hodder starts playing Jason Voorhees, and you're like, what is that? Yeah, yeah but that, that house is very alarming. <laughs> yeah, but that works out for Friday the Thirteenth. Um, after that, there's a movie called Hellraiser Judgment, which honestly, better than it has any right mm. to be. Um, and then they then they do that that 2022 remake, which I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you, I think it's better than this one. I haven't I, seen it yet. Oh I'm my god! I know. I need. It. I need to watch it, and I really want to. The more I've seen clips of it, I'm very intrigued by it. The Cenobites in it are mm. they're just their their designs are much closer to the original sort of intended novel descriptions. Yeah. They're super super cool. Like I just I I think it's really good. and they're in it a lot. Like they are. I love that the, the core of the movie, and it's pretty. Like I watched it once. I didn't really think much of it the first time. And then we watched it again and I, I was paying more attention and I think they make a lot of really good choices in it. Like mm. aesthetically really interesting stuff. Like the story's kind of, it's, it's more or less the same story as the first one with some kind of updates and some flourishes, but it's basically the same story, but they make a lot of just really is like interesting aesthetic choices. Mm. Yeah. Watch it. And, yeah, and so the design in that one is is closer to the book. Which in the book, the way that that Pinhead is described is, um, first of all, it's he's and perfectly androgynous. He has a very feminine voice, and the nails all have like jewels on the end of them, Ooh. which they do in the new one. Yes, Ooh. like the so Pinhead is played by a woman in the new one, and the it's all like they're pins still, but they have like these kind of like pearls or crystals. I noticed on the end. that. It's like really little, cool looking. I love yeah. that idea. So really uh, cool. yeah, the series immediately spawned an entire empire of merch and appendant stories following the Hellbound Heart. Barker moves on to broader work, uh, but Marvel picks up the IP, passed it on to their adult imprint Epic, uh, where some seriously dark shorts were produced uh, by people like Mike Mignola of Hellboy and uh, Neil Gaiman did some and also Lana Wachowski. I read some of them tonight, like I downloaded them. They're they're nasty. <laughs> In a really particular, in a way that was really particular to independent comics of the late eighties, it's it's uh. yeah, it's fucking great. So Robert <laughs> Roger Ebert hated this movie. <laughs> now, this to be fair, Roger Ebert hated most horror movies. Yeah, yeah. this from the man who wrote the sequel to Valley of the Dolls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah. yeah, but it's got that line in it. This is my happening. And it freaks me out. That's true. <laughs> So, yeah, he ranked it half a star, and he describes it as a movie without wit, style, or reason. And the true horror is that actors were made to portray and technicians to realize the bankruptcy of imagination, which is categorically, objectively false. Damn, girl. 
Yeah. I actually, I disagree with that one. I, I I think he is very much wrong in that. It is extremely imaginative. It's just not that well executed. Yeah. 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 That's the thing is what, like, while I, I think personally, like this, I wouldn't even place this like in a top 10 for me, but I do enjoy it a great deal, but it's the sort of broader implications of the story that I really kind of hook into. Like there is, there is an, there's an entire world happening behind the scenes in this movie that like, like, and I'm not alone on this. Other people just were like ran wild with this, with this story. And most of it for bad, but there's some really good stuff. And then there's some like really un, uh, uh, like unofficial shit that kind of came out of it. Like there's a, there's a, a Swedish role-playing game called cult that I'm a tremendous fan of that mines very deeply of this material and turns out one of like the greatest horror role-playing game scenarios like I've ever seen. It's like un- unbelievably dark um, and-, and extremely nasty. And like, if we ever do a Patreon, like I'll, I'll fucking run it for subscribers cause it's the shit. But um, yeah, there's, there's that, that's, I think that's the part of this movie that I really like the most is that there's so much fucking room for your own imagination to kind of, run wild in if you sort of allow it to because i can understand why a lot of people would be turned off to it because it's a fucking nasty nasty movie (laughs) but i think that's why critically it it does much better in the uk than it does here yeah at least critically and i think it's because american audiences were so attuned to you know freddie and jason and all this sort of leather not leatherface so much but you know the slasher stuff and you get this it's like who the villains are is a little bit ambiguous. Mm-hmm. The the sort of sexual component of it is very different than it oh, would yeah. be in the U.S. Oh yeah, it has the the this, the movie sexuality is probably the thing that sort of like interests people, but definitely revolts American viewers. Mm. Like as hard as it does, because like it's it's pretty frank in that in that manner. But I don't. That's that's what I'm saying is I don't think it is. I think it's too watered down to the point, and that's because of censors and editing. But like, because they, I think the the sex scenes in this were originally very explicit. They were. And they had to cut most of them, and they let like they were like you can do one or the other, and he's like, oh, fine, I'll do this one or whatever. But like, it it doesn't. You don't see. Uh, I don't know. I maybe it just was like the era. There was never going to be a, an opportunity to have that. Um, more nuanced or more adult presentation of um, sort of non-normative sex or whatever. I think it was always going to be treated with this, like, you know, in in the sort of Reagan and Bush era, it was always going to be this kind of like conservative sort of titillating, you know, it's so naughty, but, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that, that way of presenting sex is, it's so fucking boring that I think that's what really throws me is like, you have an interesting story here. You're just not really able to you tell. You have to take it there. Well, no. It would take a few, it would definitely take a few more, like a, a, couple, a couple decades to get to a spot where, mm-hmm. where, 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 you know, expectations were a it little bit more permissive. could actually take it <laughs> where yeah. it needs to go. But what, are the, what, what Brian was saying about how you love, like how there's like a whole world beyond this that you can like, you can taste a little bit in this movie. And that's what I loved about this is like the whole Cenobite world and the whole idea of that whole thing. I wanted, as soon as I saw this movie, I was like, I want to know everything about that world. I want to know, like, bring me into that world. I need to see it from beginning to end. Show me every corner. Every yeah, because otherwise it's a weird relationship yeah, drama like, that ends badly. Like, yeah, and they definitely, and they, they the give you that. I thought the second one would do that. 
And they give you that in part gave two. Gave you a little bit. A little bit more, but yeah. It, they but, need um, to give me more, though. I was like, I need more. Yeah. Of this. <laughs> Maybe also, that's what I want. Maybe I just yeah. want more Cenobites, and I don't get it. And like, they I, are the most I don't give a shit part. about these other people. Mm -hmm. They're all kind of awful. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but also, like, this movie kind of lands uh, in, a, in a weird part of, like, British culture that is very unique to 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 England that America never ever had anything even really close to. So, well, because it like, has a very like Der like kind of like a Derek Jarman very like sex forward aesthetic, and mm -hmm. he does try to do that in this, and it goes badly every. Yeah, time. but I mean, even beyond that, so like obviously, like he was spending a lot of time in like industrial music clubs and like <laughs> like BDSM clubs, and so there's this really fascinating like sort of convergence of cultures that's happening in England at the time that produced like throbbing gristle and psychic television and coil, you know, like there's a, a very obvious reason why he was familiar with coil in the first place, but also fetish culture is also really a big part of that as well. But also I think you do get that in the U S not till the nineties. And I think it's once the sort of new queer cinema kicks off, then you start to see like the, the uh, new queer cinema and like the uh, indie film scene when those kind of converge you start to see that more uh kind of deviant for lack of a better term sexuality being included but it doesn't ever make it to the mainstream like this yeah uh but like i mean really but the the, the part that i find most interesting is also there is a really really heavy occult influence on it mm -hmm. and it's the same sort of convergence that gave us like grant morrison and alan moore and like all of these guys including those musicians and these filmmakers are all sort of like feasting off of like the writing of austin spare and alistair crowley well, especially grant morrison now like if you look at who grant morrison is now like you know in terms of gender and sexuality like mm-hmm it's it's very very forward thinking and i you know i think maybe germany too you'd see a little bit of that like i yeah i there's a lot i keep thinking of like that movie killer condom which it, despite it's really stupid name and it's a really stupid <laughs> premise it's actually a really fascinating movie that i'm very surprised got made when it did yeah it's just this shit just doesn't happen in the u.s and this movie despite being very british it is. They go out of their way to make it feel not British at all. They actually, mm -hmm. that is a very deliberate stylistic choice. That the and it is a bad choice. Because there is not one second of this nope. movie. That actually, when I read that just recently, when I was doing research for this, I was like, fucking seriously? Because there is no frame of this movie that does not It is not the most look British looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it does everything. From the teeth to the buildings to the accents. But they it dub is. over most people, don't yep. they? Yeah, like, yeah. With yeah. American yeah. accent. Like, Frank's accent, I get, well, that makes sense because he's played by someone different when he's, uh, you know, a gross Yeah, when he's goo. like the skeleton. Mm -hmm. But, so that is obvious. His voice is obviously mm -hmm. an overdub. But, like, I think Kirstie's boyfriend is fully overdubbed. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, like, ADR shit that's, like, you just can't, you can tell that they're, you know. So, let's let's get into it. So, we open on a busy marketplace in some Asian country. We close up on filthy hands, uh, dropping oh. sugar cubes. Yeah, we and open and on shameless, nails. shameless racism. <laughs> oh my God. It, Frank's fingernails. His he, nails are foul. It makes are we me supposed to infer something <laughs> like, from this or is he just I fucking gross? He's gross. It's gross. A it's a federal crime. Like it is. <laughs> I, it's like, first of all, trim your fucking nails. Yeah. What are disgusting. you doing? <laughs> Yeah. yeah why I mean, do you have two inches of fucking grime under yeah. your nail? How does that even happen? 
And he's supposed to be this like sex pot. Like he's supposed to be like fucking everybody. And I'm getting. We are gonna get into that. Like who's touching you with those? (laughs) Like no. So he's hands over stacks of cash, and then a a voice like the cursed Frogert guy in the Talking Krusty episode of The Simpsons. uh, They they have an exchange over an ornate box. So so let's give you a little. Let's give you a little taste. Give you a little taste of that sound. Take this object. But beware, it carries a terrible curse. Ooh, that's bad. But it comes with a free Frogut. That's good. The Frogut is also cursed. That's bad. But you get your choice of topping. The topping is also cursed. <laughs> that's now, bad. Can we, why? So this is James Hong, who I don't know why he's not in the credits. It's fucking low pan. Why is he not in the actual credits? Wait, is it? Credited. Yes. I did not know that. That is low pan. It's James cool. Hong, and I don't know why he's just like super famous actor. No shit, that's wild. That's, yeah, huh? again, no, that's I did racism. not know that. <laughs> well, that's either. probably it. We open on Orientalism. <laughs> yep. yep, it's just, and it's it's not even like Kathmandu, nineteen eighty seven. It's just some Asian country. Aren't they supposed to be in like Morocco? Which, spoiler, everybody, not an Asian country. <laughs> I honestly, I don't even know. I, I have no idea. Uh, so now we cut to a candlelit attic as a shirtless gentleman manipulates the box. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, uh, Clive Barker is really telling on himself quite a lot in this. It's like, oh, what's yeah. Clive Barker into? Wet shirtless dudes, <laughs> oh, I yeah, think. Oh, yeah. oh he's Hang so wait, greasy. When we get oh, to the point where, oh. where Julia opens the door and he's standing in the rain, rough trade. Yeah. He looks... He looks like the, a right. dude on the cover of Honcho magazine. Oh, I we need to address this because okay. every everything I listen to where people talk about this, they're like, "Oh, he's so hot, he's what? so hot." I'm like, "What are you <laughs> talking about? That? He's hot." No. Like, I get. I mean, maybe in like an early '90s gay porn way, no. but like, not even that. Like, is is hot in the room with us right now? Like, what? Is, <laughs> no, fucking disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely not. But everything I listen to, people are just no like, way. oh, man, he's the hottest thing. And I'm like, I, I don't know. He's kind of borderline mullet. You know he's got on, like, real tight stonewashed jeans. Oh, yeah. No shirt because he's just wet all the time. Oh, he and does... he's not even, like, an attractive asshole. Like, he doesn't no. even do asshole well. And then later on, he's still like a demanding jerk. And it's like, dude, you are a fucking mean pile of goo. You do not have any room to be making demands of people right now. You need help from everybody. I mean, but back to the scene at hand. So, yeah, he's... Oh no! I'll come, we're coming back to this later because it's yeah. gonna happen again. It's true. Because, because, and this is, and this, I mean, in the scene in particular, my one gripe with this movie and the series actually, until the most recent one, is it is never clear how the fucking box works, and it drives me crazy. Yeah, because everyone's like, "Oh, you solve the puzzle box. We need to solve it. All you did was pick it up." That. That actually drives me nuts. Because they just like <laughs> run their fingers over you the metalworking, and, and then shit happens. The yeah. Circle and then press. Yeah. I mean, it's not Every so much time. a puzzle box; it's a touch it box, and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah and why like, does everyone know to just take their thumb and just right? There's absolutely circle. nothing. Admittedly, I probably do that too. <laughs> With your thumb, though, you, and I think I just you have sucked to into hell. <laughs> and so apparently, the people who made the new one also felt the same way because the puzzle box works way different in that one, yeah. and it's an actual goddamn puzzle, as it should. Yeah, and it makes me like, I, like I'm looking at it, and it's just like, God damn it! I could not resist playing with that fucking thing, <laughs> even if it stabs you in the hand. No, 
No, but yeah, that's just that has always driven me crazy because everybody just instinctively picks it up and starts doing that. And it's mm-hmm. like it doesn't even like react to your touch. Like, how the fuck do you know what to do with this thing? But uh, anyways, so as he does this, the box starts to change and there's a distant sound of a bell tolling and then ghostly lights emanate from behind the shabby walls of the attic. And when the box is fully opened, chains are up from the center. Hooks tear into his skin, and he screams. And you get the weird torture sex post. I love how Pinhead arrives. Like, I love that little bell toll and all I the lights. It. I'm like, that's classy. I love it. Yeah, that's white a classy z- entrance. Oh, White <laughs> like Zombie, it. like, also love it. They sample it on Down oh, Music Volume so 2. Good. It's so cool, yeah. But what bothers me, and this bothers me about a lot of horror movies, and I'm like, why doesn't anyone have a regular reaction to weird shit happening. Oh, I Because know. in this moment, like, all those lights happen and he just, like, looks around and keeps doing it. And there's it. And no like, way he no. knew this was going to happen. That's the thing. Like, you knew something was going to happen, but this? But this, yeah. and it, just have him look up and go, what the fuck? Like, have him be, have, like, a real reaction. Like, you'd be like, what is happening right now? Like, what? Yeah. No one does yeah. that. It and that happens crazy. a couple times in this yeah. movie. Yeah, because it, it's, it's usually the same thing. It's like the room starts to change and the reaction <laughs> is just like, huh. Just to keep going. Like, yeah. all right, I'm just going to keep doing this. Also, you breeze by. I don't know if we've actually. Oh, I think we haven't gotten to the uh, the way that the state of the house yet. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I've not gotten to that yet. So we Oof. cut to some time later. The attic well, is. You, also, on the weird torture sex post in the in the middle of the room <laughs> that's spinning around. Are those dicks on it? Yes, there's at least two. so yeah we we yeah we cut to it the attic is now a gallery of swinging chains with like bloody meat hanging from these turning columns of wood with gore pinned to them and then otherworldly people one of whom appears to be a man in ornate leather robes with a grid carved into the flesh of his head with pins embedded in the skull at the convergence of the grid lines he sifts through the remains piecing together a human face from the bits and pieces that are left over and then he finds the box resets it to its original shape, and in the blink of an eye, the room has returned to its original state. Not a hint of the horror that took place there. It still looks very British, though. Did oh, you yes. notice, too, and this just might be me because I, I pay a lot of attention to Pinhead when he's on screen, but <laughs> I love this little detail that they did where they made, like, his skin is, like, you know, alabaster white all the yeah. way down. But then when it gets to his fingertips, it, like, turns fleshy reddish you- color. Yeah, so I think it's, I actually a, it's, a like detail, it's a detail from the book that's not really care. It's not really executed in the in the in the movie because there's just no room for exposition like that. Mm-hmm. But it's the the color of their skin being all sort of like white and ashy is because they are decorated with like ash. Oh, okay. And so yeah, there. It's not that their skin is actually that color. It's just that they have been like powdered, covered with, like, in charred ash. remains and stuff. Yeah, I kind of love the like little balayage down to the end of the fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> the Who did the screen. makeup for this? Whose design is it? Because it's not Tom Savini. No, it's, oh, uh, Bob, is it a Bob Keen? Does that I sound think you're right. right. I think right. it is Bob Keen. So yeah, he goes on to do like fucking awesome shit. Also, <laughs> he worked on like Star Wars and some Muppet stuff. Like he's, he's got, yeah, oh, he's yeah. got a really crazy, like awesome uh, uh, mm. career. Imagine uh, having Hellraiser and the the Muppets. Yeah, I just did. Uh, yeah, we just did, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, we just did the Muppet awesome Show, one. and I'm going over to do this one with a with <laughs> a, a chains and a sex dungeon. <laughs> hey man, job's a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, enter Larry and Julia. And now uh, the house is the childhood home of Larry and his brother Frank. We come to learn is the guy who was just torn to pieces by the Cenobites. Now look, between the fucking disgusting state of this house oh. and his nails, not hot. 
No, thank you. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's vile. about this guy? It's absolutely vile. And I got to know what mm. Julia sees in him because she is like immediately taken immediately. by him. She throws her vows to the wind upon yeah. seeing this guy for the first time. Yeah. So the, play, yeah, the place is <laughs> yeah the place is a mess. It was supposed to be empty, but Frank was clearly been living there. And we also learned that Frank is a man with a checkered past. So here's this is one <laughs> of the reasons say. why it feels so British in this uh, set design specifically is that it's a bizarre mix. I guess maybe not that bizarre. This mix of uh, Christian iconography and um, I guess again Orientalism for lack of a more specific term is like there's a lot of like uh kind of east asian uh statues and all this but there's tons of like christ imagery yeah mm-hmm. so that's a barker touch uh so apparently like a lot of a lot of his sort of inspiration for the cenobites and just sort of like the mysticism of the movie in general is that kind of like opus day mortification of the flesh like uh, uh roman catholicism sort of like suffering and pain means penitence kind of thing. And so this movie is stuffed with that shit. Even, even we even get a jump scare Jesus later on. Yep. <laughs> but, but yeah, like that's, oh, a you mean, that... you mean my new band jump scare Jesus? Oh yeah. It's a great band name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So as ridiculous as it may seem, the producers, uh, the movie wanted to downplay the Englishness of it. So just about everyone with the exception of Claire Higgins, for some fucking reason, uh, Andrew Robinson and Ashley Lawrence are dubbed by American voice actress. Uh, it's because the, the, she's like a good supervillain with that accent. I feel that's like. got it. That's got to you know? be it. Like yeah. they, they gave her the English. They, they were like, she's the bad lady. So we're going to give her the villain voice. Yeah. I think it she also weird. was a, she was kind of an established actor too. This so was they like probably her. had less. Lee this was like her, her, yeah, maybe. This was like really early on in her career. Like, this was not her first, but it was it was definitely one of the first. And the way she is styled in this movie, she's really good in this. She is nineteen eighty seven personified. My yeah. God, it's like this era when like everybody looks like Melanie Griffith in Working Girl, fucking shoulder pads and a neutral color palette. It's Dude, all she's got. Shoulder really? pads on shoulder pads on shoulder pads Hell in this. Yeah. And the more evil she gets in the movie, like the more severe that yes. like hair and makeup gets. The it's super crazy. Gets this like, is why I can't. This ooh. movie, everything is so fucking ugly I in love this it. <laughs> Well, it's it's kind of like how we do this. Whenever we do like a movie in the 80s, which is like all of our movies, we always point out that like the kind of like retro wave, everything is purple and green and like and, like peach colored. Like that's not the 1980s. No. Like the 1980s was like wood paneling and Real ugly. Br- brown carpets and shit. Like this is the 1980s. And every yes. woman dressed like Julia. Yes. <laughs> and I love that that's like her hot outfit, like her hot girl shit. When she goes to like a bar <laughs> to pick up men oh, to kill, that bar. she dresses in a full pantsuit every time. I'm yep, like, hell she's yeah, got those, girl. She's got those massive star earrings yes, that she wears. Yeah, huge star earrings. And the big sunglasses, the hair up to here. I was like, yeah. so neither of you are making your case for me. <laughs> no, no. But the thing is, is that this very clearly communicates to all the girl, like all the guys around her, like this lady is here to fuck. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's a real bitch, though. <laughs> she's a real yeah. serious bitch. She yeah. is. So this Johnny Hammer sticks. No way. No way. Not my chair, not my problem. <laughs> the amount of times I quote that per day. 
outrageous. Now, I know I'm with my people when somebody goes, no way, no way. No not my chair, not my problem. I say not my chair, not my problem at least <laughs> once a day. It's this Mr. Balloon Hands. Mr. <laughs> <a> balloon Hands. <laughs> so, so now Frank oh. and Julia are apparently trying to make a rocky marriage work and settling in this house is the first step towards getting that back on track, apparently. Larry's trying. He's trying. Oh my God. He, they go so hard. They, they lean so hard into what a weenie this guy is. <laughs> no, like, and it's, and the heart, the, like the real heart of it is coming, but just yeah. all, all immediately off the bat, I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> that's how you can tell. You, that's how you can tell this was written by a gay man because it's like the woman's <laughs> this real, like, sexy, stone cold bitch who you really like. And the guy's like, oh, God. <laughs> He's, He's really here. Pathetic. Oh, look, she's here again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as we find out, Julia is thirsty as hell for somebody else so now the phone rings and we find out that larry has a daughter named kirsty and that she's settling are we just gonna skip over the mattress issue oh no no no! the mattress is coming we're not there yet the mattress takes up a quarter of this movie fucking right holy shit i so when i watched it it is a short story unto itself okay let's let's save it because my god that for some reason whenever i remember this movie the mattress scene seems to occupy like a third of the running time (laughs) there's like like 30 minutes of them trying to push a mattress up the stairs and then like five minutes of pinhead and the rest is just like uh, a blue and yeah (laughs) i don't know but yeah so she's got uh Daughter named Kirsty, she's settling in town. Back at Frank's room, Julia leafs through some photos of Frank fucking his way around the world. And okay, keeps... we need to stop for a minute on these photos <laughs> this just because sets her off. Why? Yeah, I love that. Why is everyone so? It's Frank with a bunch of different women. The women are all nude. Frank is fully clothed fully in all fully. jeans and a shirt in <laughs> every fucking jeans. Yep. And yeah, this, I it's because he's this... so hot. This treasure trove of like bootleg porn that she finds like yeah. sets her mm-hmm. on like just a fantasizing about Frank trip. And I was like, what yep. about this filthy ass mattress on the floor? Oh my God, it's everywhere. yellow. This and, guy yeah. who and has just, sex like, with his jeans on. Yeah, like what about <laughs> that just got you like, oh, remember that time in my life? Like yeah. you should be erasing that. Like it should be like men in black like mind racer style. <laughs> Never like, think no. about that again. Yeah, like Those are the good old days them. for her. Yeah, leafing through them to find out if there's one of her that she needs yes, to delete. And you yeah. know that's also, what she was doing. Who's taking these pictures? I was going to ask the pictures that. with a woman. Who else is there? Yep. I was wondering as well. Don't ask these questions. No. Yeah, Fellow hedonists. <laughs> yep. So, she, yeah, she finds one uh, rather artful shot of him relaxing with some lady. She tears away the face of the woman. So, uh, with a nothing couple, weird about that. Nope, no, a couple moving, thus begins the longest struggle to move a mattress that I've ever seen. It is it like it is made of pure long. granite. Here's the thing is, it's not, the scene is not very long. It just feels really long. And I don't know why that is. And they think, hired the worst movers for this. Oh yeah. my God. The mover, These the guy. fucking dirt bags. He's like, hey, Truly. let's take five fellas. And the guy turns to the lady and goes, hey, you got any beer? It's like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Like, go, you know. I don't care what you do like, on your thing. Just get the This is a woman who just put her cigarette out on the floor in the <laughs> living room. Do you think she's going to get you a beer? <laughs> Holy shit. The spite of that scene is amazing. I was shook by that. Yeah, get it yourself, bitch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then eventually, like, Larry's like, well, I guess I'm going to get it. 
Same comes thing. In. Yeah, comes mm-hmm. in, throws a throws a throws an entire six pack at these guys. It's like the last thing these dicks need is is beer. Yeah, you're not even slightly up those stairs. Nope. I'd be like, you get all the way up there, you can have a beer. Yeah. Well, they can't. They're lugging a, a thousand pound mattress. They need Apparently. four more guys. Yeah. I've I have I've moved some uh, awkward furniture in my time. Let me tell you, it does not take this long. No. They're they're giving the working class the, the bad name. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, now Kirsty makes her entrance into the house, having to deal with these shitty movers while Julia stares at a picture of Frank. And then uh yeah, also she notices all of like the Catholic icons. It's like this shitload of like a huge collection of just like big statues of, of saints and shit. Just and so this is some of that shit that just doesn't make sense. It's like are you going to explain why this is here? Because if not, you should probably take it out. I'll grant you that because it it does seem just kind of like uh, rootless style. Like there's nothing else in the movie that really kind of like. And it's very yeah. provocative imagery. So it's like mm-hmm. it's not just decor. Like you, it either yeah. has to be there for a purpose or not. I can give you that. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like uh, it, just from my my personal like understanding of my knowledge of like this this story and sort of the, the the kind of scene that it came from, like it makes sense to me. But that I'm like one person out of millions of people who've seen this movie. It just it doesn't it doesn't compute. But it, yeah. it is definitely I think that's where his inexperience shows, though. Is like he he's trying to do too. Give much. it a purpose. If it's you part give of it a the, purpose, it it's would a be part phenomenal. of the mysticism in the movie that just is never mm-hmm. explained. And so, like without it, it's just I don't know. It's just a, a meaningless detail. Because one but of yeah. my favorite things in the third movie is when he goes into the church oh, and he yeah. does that like the the, <laughs> like, cr- the Christ I am pose. the way I die at that every time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that stuff works if you can. You have to make it work, though. It can't just yep. be there for, you know, just be like, ooh, look at that religion. Yeah. Yep. So now we cut to a flashback of Julia answering the door at some point. Real in the sexy past. moment. And, yep. And there stands Frank. And you can and she tell. She has her mullet. Yes, she yep. does, because her hair is longer. And yeah, she's a little, little younger. And yeah. this is the most softcore, gross sex I've ever seen. It's, oh. yeah, it's super, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like he may as well have a pizza in his hand. Like, <laughs> really? He's just fucking soaking wet. His mullet is all wet. Oh, he's so yeah. foul. He's like honestly repugnant to me. I can't. I yeah, don't his get fucking, it at all. His, his cavaricis are all wet. <laughs> so is his Izod shirt. His white linen Izod shirt is soaked. Yeah. Soaked through. Yep. It, it just oh. it turns turns sexy. And so, yeah, oh, like, like, like you guys, she's like, wearing a very strange negligee yeah. as well that has like bows on it and has yeah. bows on here. So it makes it even weirder. And then he like cuts the strap with this fucking knife. Yeah. Like, so like, apparently, apparently they like shot scenes of him like spanking her and shit. And the, MP- oh, I read the MPAA was like, was like, no, this is no, that's not going in the they movie. They were like switchblade or spanking. <laughs> you get one. It's not spanking. It's actual anal sex that they're having in this moment. In the uh. And Damn. the NBA was like, "No, they're not. No, you can you can have a switchblade and like them sticking their fingers in each other's mouths." Okay, which, that's which, the second okay. thing we got to talk yeah. about because I there are so many fingers and mouths in this movie. Okay. It is so fucking gross. And here's the thing: when Chatter late, late, later sticks nope. his fingers in Kirsty's mouth, not even that bothered. He All goes the for other it. ones. I'm horrified by. But when because he I saw Rick's like, nails. I was yep. like, well, you, you yeah. expect the chatterer to do something. Yeah, like that. it felt right. And he does it real like, casually, too. He's he just very, like, on her. Yeah. 
Yeah. Antithesis is sexy. I don't. No, no, thank Mm -mm. you. And then right on the wedding dress. So tacky. Right on the wedding dress. So tacky. So uh, these shots are intercut with shots of Larry and the movers trying to get the bed up the steps until he eventually cuts his hand on a loose All right, nail. But do you know what this is? This is the eyeball scene in Zombie. Pulling the face towards the nail. As uh, he's moving the mattress, it just keeps getting closer and closer. And you know it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. a matter of when. Oh, yeah, because they keep cutting back and forth between the hand and the nail. Is it going to happen? And he drags it? his hand along the head, of, not the pointy part, the flat yeah. head of the nail. And it is like he sets his hand down on a table saw. <laughs> he tears that shit open. Yeah. It is just buckets of blood. Yes. Yep. Buckets yep. of very thin fruit punch looking blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The blood, Delicious. the blood. I, yeah, the blood in the movie is a little. Uh... I will say that. It's so they could get those big splashy drops. Yeah. So, yeah, um, by contrast to Frank's super masculinity and his endless search for higher levels of pleasure, we get, <laughs> we get, yeah, we get Larry injured and weenie as hell. So Frank, okay, ba- but, but he's just pouring blood on it. She's like, you're fine. Like, he is not <laughs> fine. It's yeah. like he cut his hand off. He needs a transfusion at this point. Really? It is just pouring on. Yeah. So like, yeah, Frank is basically like later, babe, after they're done. And then, and then Larry stumbles into the attic where Julia is having all these memories and coming at her with his bloody hand. Like he wants his mother. <sighs> yeah. And her response to this is basically a full body eye roll. Yeah. I mean, Literally. to be fair, that's also my response to it. Oh, that yeah. would also be mine. Seriously. Like fucking, I get it guy, but like, not up like what the fuck yeah just grab a towel again it's, i'm telling <laughs> you it's the, i'm the proxy clive barker in this one and it's like oh larry again oh <laughs> gross god yeah so uh larry bleeding all over the floor which absorbs <clears throat> the blood and so with everybody gone from the attic Kirstie taking Larry to the hospital for stitches. The attic comes alive. The floorboards ooze these nasty-looking liquids, and a skeletal form erupts from the mass, reconstituting itself until it approximates a human being amid all these milky body fluids. Super yeah, you gross. know what? When you don't have a lot of money, just cover everything in goo. Hell That's, yeah. Yeah. Like, I I just recently watched um, uh, these these Hong Kong horror movies, The Boxer's Omen and... Uh, the, the seventh curse and those movies make use of like nasty grody milky body fluids instead of blood and for some reason so much more disgusting like i i gag watching i mean it's oh, it yeah. is why the thing works the way that it does yeah like, you, that movie would look dumb as shit if they weren't just like i don't know cover it in grime and goo yeah goo body fluids that aren't blood are yeah. way grosser <laughs> yeah super nasty <laughs> way grosser way grosser so later on at a, di- at a dinner party, Julia is looking bored as hell amongst all these dorky white people bitching about doctors. Oh, you mean the, the great American dinner party where they practice the great American tradition of the night of the paper hat? And here's my question. Here is my revelation, everybody. <laughs> is Hellraiser a Christmas movie? <laughs> uh, I, you know uh, what? Yes. Because the night of the paper hat is a Christmas tradition, is it not? Mm-hmm. I have never heard of it prior to this movie. I think it I, is. It's, it's when you, you put on the dumb paper hat and you open your Christmas mm-hmm. cracker. It's like a, a, yeah. a holiday thing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So is this a then a Christmas movie? Uh-oh. You know what? Looks like it is. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. I, I just made a list of Christmas movies today, and there are not a lot of good ones. 
Hellraiser. <laughs> Christmas horror. There's lots of good Christmas movies. They're all on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Never yeah, heard of it. The Hallmark Channel. Oh, 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 that's not true. You have heard of it. And you're going to hear of it again because it's, it's December and you know what that means. Hell yeah. It is Hallmark, Hallmark Bingo. bingo. <laughs> I am ready. Yep. So uh, Julia excuses herself where Kirsty makes eyes at a very English looking fella. And, uh, English? No, what are you talking about? He's an American man, a young American boy. Johnny Johnny Manhattan yep. doing doing tricks with the cigarettes. Yeah, really that dangerous was... looking tricks with the cigarettes. And also, oh, really also gay as hell. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. Yep. Yeah. Oh, also, whenever he does that, I'm just like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. I know. Like, oh God. But yeah, Julia, hearing sounds from the attic, goes to investigate and is horrified to find the living remains of Frank. But it takes yeah, but not horrified enough. Yeah, (laughs) because eventually, when she learns it's Frank, she's just kind of like, "Oh, thank God." Yeah, just you. She doesn't even random. You're a puddle of goo. Thank (laughs) God. (laughs) Different. So this is a this is different actor. It's a guy wearing a suit, but Mm -hmm. I think they use his voice. Yeah. Because I don't he, think I think it's this guy's voice because Frank the in the first part that I think is overdubbed. It feels overdubbed because that is. voice does not come out of him. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He's an English actor, but um, the but the voice of the guy wearing the suit does not sound anything like the actor in the previous scene. No, but yeah. Uh, so what he he explains that uh, Larry's blood brought him back to life and that he needs more to be made whole. And so, uh, yeah, Kirstie... also, he's still a jerk. Oh, yeah. oh he's, he's still a, a gross jerk, and he's not hot. Everybody, oh, yeah, death, no. death did not did not improve matters. No, and usually, like having a skeleton element to it make can make a guy hotter. Not here, <laughs> not here. <laughs> Doesn't work. So, uh, Kirsty and the English lad leave Larry's, and they walk the streets where they spot a homeless dude. Uh, owned... The derelict is is oh, how yes. he is built. He yeah. is the derelict. Yep. Isn't so, that what like the creature is too? At the end, I think it's no, called the that. engineer. Oh, the no, no, flying no. thing. Yeah, the flying thing yeah. is still. I think he is still the derelict. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna see him a few more times, and then uh, Julia has more sexy memories, reminded mm. of when she told Frank that she'd do anything for him, and then well, he jams his fingers in her mouth or something. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, Clive Barker. Yeah, while uh, Larry Larry sleeps next to her, like whimpering in his sleep. <laughs> so yeah, he's like Kirst- kicking his feet like a puppy, oh, and yeah. he's wearing like those like Scrooge pajamas. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm surprised he doesn't have like this old timey cap. <laughs> he doesn't hold the little candle. Yep. <laughs> so Kirstie, uh, so um, Kirsty has a nightmare involving a crying baby. Oh, okay, everybody, this riot- is another one of those moments. <laughs> A writhing body. Girl, you didn't need to put this one in the movie. I agree. <laughs> it grows increasingly bloodier, and then down feathers flying all over the place. I hard. will say, Kirsty looks fucking great in this scene. Oh, she's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. she's gorgeous. Again, here's someone, who's, here's someone who looks good soaking wet. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta... hate the sound of a crying baby. It, like, stresses me out. Like, oh, yeah. It makes me so sad. I hate it. Oh, oh, that, yes, that, definitely that. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely. There's, it's like an ice pick in the center of my brain. Oh, it just like destroys my soul every time I hear it. So I just does anybody want to guess which person on this call does not have and absolutely does not want children? <laughs> it's the one who thinks, "Why are they crying? Why won't they shut up? <laughs> what is going on?" 
Yeah. So her boyfriend shoots up very suddenly in bed, though it looks like no, he's... No, no, he's not on bed. He's on the floor. I was going to say, because it looks like he's sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Ah. I think he's being gentlemanly. Oh, look at that. Because she rents a room. She's not like in an apartment. Like she's just got like an mm. SRO kind of yeah. room that she's renting. So it's like a single bed, I guess. Yeah. Oh. yeah I guess I guess it would be kind of kind of cramped in the... In the a gentleman. Yep. So the next day... Julia sets out to pick up a dude at a bar. Which oh, she this does. Bar. This yep. bar, this makes bar, me this real outfit, sad. This, this whole thing. It, it looks it like eighties as hell. It looks like yes. a bar in an airport. Yes, yep. that is a hotel bar. Yeah. yeah, which is where you would find one of those guys. I yeah. feel like so. Yeah. And they really go out of their way to make us not care when she kills this man with a hammer. No, which is nice of them to do. Yeah. So when she takes the gentleman home, she eventually shows him up to the attic, which should have been a red flag for this guy. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about his hair for a minute? Because we sure can. I know that men in the 80s and even now, I guess, aren't that uh, obsessed with their appearance. Let's say he has a little tuft of hair in the front. Yep. And then he's balding all the way to the back. And he just left the little tuft of hair in the front. Yeah. It looks is that joke? on. What no. is that? Yeah, like for for real, like uh, uh, as a, as a person who has completely lost his fucking hair, um, there was there were definitely moments in my life where I was like, "Can I make this work?" No, I gotta, I gotta hold <laughs> on gotta to what I just let go. I just gotta like hold on to it, and then eventually I was like, "You know what? This I look like a fucking asshole." Yeah, just listen, like, uh, listen, dudes out there, listen to me right now. If you're losing your hair, just let that shit go. Just it's let it true. Go. It looks great. Do not do not succumb to fall like uh, to sunk cost. Just yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to know when to cut your losses. So, um, yeah, what I haven't done up to this point is describe this attic, which looks like an attic from a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It is in, dusty. In, in England. In, in <laughs> England. In an English horror movie. It is dusty and nasty. Um, he just immediately sets to taking his clothes off. Wild. And they really go out of their way to make it. Like, Wild. His underwear is just like, the, it is like Fred Mertz getting naked. It is like, <laughs> hey, he looks am... terrible and dumpy. And it's like, you guys are really going in on this it one. Wasn't he the one that said, like, you didn't change your fucking mind, did you? Like, yeah. I was like pissy with her. So I was like, kill him, girl. I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I am surprised that they didn't lean all the way in and give him like sock suspenders. Ooh, yes. Yeah. I was waiting for those. It's real rough. And then Mm -hmm. his death. Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty rough. So, yeah. um, So he excuses himself to go to the bathroom. She takes the opportunity to bludgeon him with a hammer from behind, leaving him to his fate on the floor. And so the original original version of this scene was shot with a guy naked, which was apparently his idea. And the oh. scene where, where he fell to the and floor. And like Claude Barker must not have had, he must not have been very confident to be like, why? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. no. I think he was just like, okay, sure, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it probably, I mean, he probably was just like, oh yeah, that'll be even more shocking. I'm glad you mm. brought this up. And again, the MPA was like, well, you can, you can have half his mouth missing or he can be nude. You can't have both. You yeah. pick. Yeah, because also and, and they were like, "Well, I guess we're going to go with the half the mouth." Yeah, because yeah, uh, the original kill scene is she hits him with the claw end of the hammer, yep. oh, and damn. so he hits the he hits the floor with the hammer sticking out of his head, and they were like, "No, no, 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 no." Did they restore any of that in that new transfer? No, that new era. No, according to according to Barker, like all of the stuff that um, was rejected just got like was just treated like everybody in Hollywood treats this stuff. They just throw it out. They, oh. they probably just melted it down and started over. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yep, this is uh, it's reshot to what we have now. 
So with the man dead, Julia sees herself out while Frank does whatever it is to the body that he needs to do. Makes gross noises. Yeah. She she returns. She finds the corp all desiccated and fucked up. And Frank is standing by by the window looking better than before, but still quite messed up. Uh, But got to give it to you. It's a hell of a suit. I love Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So like these, there are moments, there are moments where the special effects definitely look pretty shabby. Like the part where the, where the body is kind of coming back together, like, eh, all right, whatever. And the engineer creature sucks. Oh, it's oh fucking my God. garbage. It's laughable. The wheels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the, this, but like this suit is, is pretty good and it just gets yeah. better as the, as the movie goes Did on. Did they shoot this whole thing? Uh, is this like shot sequentially, like in order? Oh, I have no idea. Because they they run they clearly run out of money at towards the end, and I wonder if they're shooting it in, in a particular order. Well, because used it this shit looks good. Yeah. yeah, I think they might have. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yep. So, uh, yep. Are you gonna skip the line? Um, I what's the line? The line of the movie, the one that it is the it's not cranberry sauce of this movie come to daddy oh, oh shit you're right yes because listen hellraiser is gonna try to make fetch work and it is not gonna happen <laughs> god damn it they really go for it like no, nine i've got a, i've got i've got a note about it at the end they have the it, wrong character saying it is the it's problem so, or 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 do they because it's supposed to make you like go it, ah the yeah. ick yeah <laughs> it's super it's gross. So gross i would have preferred it if julia said it Honestly, I would have loved to hear Julie. <laughs> and then she just puts a cigarette out in the fucking Hell kitchen yeah. floor. Yeah. So uh, Larry comes home before she's ready. So Julia stashes the dead body in an adjacent room and then gets ready of Larry by telling him that she's feeling unwell. Now, look, this is when Julia looks her best. She uh, she, she she rips her shirt off and she has like this oh, almost she's like got, a bustier underneath. Yeah, mm. she's got the, blood, like, the, the blood spatter on her, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like she has this kind of like Susie and the Banshees, like late 80s, early 90s Susie and the Banshees look to her. And she yeah. looks cool as hell. It's like, she why can't she look like that in this movie? Why does I she know. have to look like B fucking Arthur for most of this <laughs> film? <laughs> They really do bring that back for Hellraiser. No too. offense like, to the B. Arthur yeah. stands out there. <laughs> we just, love a B. Arthur moment. You know. but... yep. Yep. And she so, says, I'm feeling sick. Please get me a brandy. Yeah. The yeah. solution The solution to that apparently is booze. Yep. Yeah. And once again, Larry is like the sweetest, like just at least like a caring husband. He's like, yeah. oh no, can I get you anything? And I'm like, you're the worst, Julia. Yeah. It's like, get me some alcohol. Get me brandy. But you know what this is? I Because I brought this up uh, in when we were talking about uh, female characters and we are talking about a Halloween and how um, particularly gay men are sometimes drawn to kind of bitchier female characters in movies. And I think this is a really good example of it. It's like, Julia's fucking terrible. And yet she's the most alluring character in this movie partially because she's a really good actor yeah uh, and she looks pretty good throughout the movie but like there's something about her meanness that it's like oh i know you i'm familiar with you <laughs> i know you sometimes i am you and so it's like <laughs> i feel like that's really what's going on here is like you are supposed to kind of like her yeah where is oh, the rest of them you. you don't give a shit about the rest of these people yeah, okay, yeah. i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you that I'm definitely like, as she like sinks further and further into evil, I'm definitely into her. Because she's very she's villainous. So good. She has like old school villainous. Yep. Yeah. She's got this like steely glance that eventually kind of takes over her, her face. Yeah. And this yeah. is basically just a, this is a fairy tale. This is the wicked stepmother fairy tale. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I can buy that. So, uh, yeah, so back in the attic, Frank tells her that he's going to need a few more dead bodies to feed off of, and then that they need to get the hell out of the house in order to evade a group of people called the Cenobites. And again, he's being real pushy about shit. He's also, is he wearing the shirt at this point? I was like, why are you wearing a shirt? That's, uh, I think that's after the next guy. Because it's Eventually, he's wearing a shirt, and the shirt is covered in blood. Now, yeah. I love that. I love that detail. But everything he touches does not get covered in blood. Yeah, yeah. I I do. I love love how it looks. But every time I watch it, I'm like, it just feels like when you put like something on like raw open skin. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, you're supposed to be like whole body is just raw. (laughs) Why are you wearing clothes? Like, don't wear. You just got tattooed, and you pull your pants up too hard, and it's like. Like, just be <laughs> naked for a little while. Like, live in that world for a little while. I would. Yeah. Yeah. So now we, <laughs> yeah, we You're the sexiest man alive. Hell like. yeah. Of course. So we, we, now we cut to Kirsty's job. She's like a, a oh. clerk in the most chaotic pet store in, in the world. The in this chaotic. nightmare pet store. I actually hate this part a lot. That sells monkeys scene. and snakes and yeah. apparently a barrel full of crickets. Yep. I could have done without this. Yeah. Oh God, I hate it! it, it first yeah. of all, this scene it adds nothing to the movie. It's it just gross and shocking. Easy, yeah. So yeah, she's interrupted. Uh, she interrupts a homeless guy from before eating handfuls of crickets in what is objectively a fucked up scene. Yeah, yeah. Here's the worst part of the scene: some of those crickets, they're getting on the floor. They're getting away. You are never gonna find them. No. You will hear them all day long. They will, they will drive you life. insane. That's the real torture. Yep. So back at the Satan's house. done waiting indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so Julia murders another dude for Frank to feed on. And now her makeup and 80s hair is becoming decidedly more sinister. Mm-hmm. Frank, now looking even more human, then produces the puzzle box and begins explaining what happened to him. He thought he'd reached the limits of pleasure. <laughs> okay, here's my, here's my second gripe about this movie. The pleasure and pain thing. And this is, I think, where the uh, you have to have a real kind of nuanced uh, explanation of a lot of this shit because we see an awful lot of pain. We don't see pleasure ever. Like the Cenobites don't seem all that interested in the pleasure part of what's well, happening. Well, no, They're no, no. more so into the pain. Part. I'm about to explain this. So, so uh, is it in the fucking book and not in the movie? Because I swear to God, if one more person tells me, well, in the book, I'm going to throw up in their face. No, no, no. So he, so he, he, he finds out about the, the box and he wants to open it because he thinks that it's going to take him to a, like a, a, a place of pleasure. It's just going to be rough sex all the time. And it's going to be wonderful. Rough sex and jeans all the time. Yeah. Switchblades. And, and yeah. switchblades. Just <laughs> you know, that's S and M to your heart's content. But <laughs> what it ends up doing is it opens up the door, and what comes through is this religious order from hell that is. They, he says we are seekers of the you know the outer reaches of of sensation. But the thing is, is that what what Frank explains is that they they've become so detached from humanity that pleasure and pain are basically the same thing to them except nobody ever pursues pleasure it's always just pain yeah because i mean fuck you know it's a fucking horror movie i think a more nuanced uh metaphor in this case would be something like in his like sort of fervent pursuit of pleasure you inevitably tip over into the other side like you go too far it's like eating if you eat 
too much, eventually you start to feel disgusting. And you, if you don't stop, it's just yeah. like you get that's a more nuanced explanation of that instead of just like, ah, ah sexy it's all, it's all, <laughs> it's all very, it's all very heavily implied. That's the problem. Yeah. There's, no, there's no, this, this movie could have used a little bit more exposition for sure, but yeah. yeah. I mean, also Julia should have like maybe one or two follow-up questions. Nope. She's just like, okay. Yeah. Sounds good. And this is the part where it's like the, I can fix him thing. Cause he's like, yeah. I am so insatiable that I opened a puzzle box to open up a hell dimension so that they yeah. could like maybe satisfy me. And that didn't work. And I got yeah. spit out somehow. And she's yeah. like, Julia, I still think I could do it. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, she, I don't know. Julia. Yeah, I, she's got real, she's got real like, Oh, but you don't know what he's like when we're alone. Kind of yes. energy. <laughs> yes. You're like, like I do. He is a pile there, of Julia. disgusting, mean yeah. goo. But yep. we all learn, Julia, you are not <laughs> learning. <laughs> Yep. So Damn. what we learn is that there are four Cenobites. There's the Hell Priest, who we know as Pinhead, Ooh. iconic as ever. Then we got the female uh, woman. I who's, love her. She's awesome. Who's who, if you've ever listened to the uh, random horror episode about this, I believe Jeffrey Craner calls her Pam from HR, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is so great because she does have this kind of like. Most of them are real fucking mangled looking, but she just kind of looks a little bit unimpressed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And she's got some wires coming out of her face, but that's about it. Yeah, she's I got that it. awesome, like her throat is cut like, open. torn open. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and she touches it very suggestively a lot. Oh, yes, she does. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, whis- I think it's, it's pretty obvious it. what that yeah, is. It yeah. sure is. And uh, we have the chatterer, who we mentioned before. His head is a mass of scar tissue. His mouth is cut open, and his teeth are endlessly chattering. And then rounding it out is Butterball, a great big fat Cenobite in dark sun- sunglasses. Chatter um, stresses me out a little bit because you find out in the second one that he's a boy. He's a boy. Yeah. Like he's like a, like a child. He's like he's a, a child. 14 year old or I like a 13 year old. The, the second he's one. Is that the one with boy. The World War II? Yes. Y- yes. It's where you get the, um, or the what back. is it? No, the third one is the World War II one. But the, oh, that's right. Yeah. The second, oh, the second one one's the hospital. Yeah. And you get to like, and they kill all the Cenobites. Yeah, Spoiler yeah. alert, because don't worry, they come back. But yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> 8,000 like, more of these movies. He gets yeah, he... like impaled onto the pillar. And when they get oh, killed, yeah. they turn into their human form. And I was like, whoa. And they never explain it. They're just like, never. it's a child. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck? What yeah, they just, yeah. they just, they just drop that in your lap and let you deal and they with it. never go back to it. It's no. always stressed me out. I'm like, what the fuck did that kid do I to know. become Chatterer? <laughs> like, what? See, that's the ambiguity that that works really well. That's my favorite shit about this is that there's so much like there's like little morsels and seeds that you can just fucking think about endlessly and just fucking create your own stories around it. It's it's, I'm dying to know. Yeah, it's wild. Um, But yeah, so his resurrection, Frank's that is, means that the Cenobites will come looking for him. So during a which is weird because later they don't even know he's gone. (laughs) <laughs> right she's like, like i have what? frank and he's like that's impossible and they're like frank who? he's like fuck that what are you talking about? On frank yeah so during a storm later that night maybe uh frank is pacing around making a lot of noise yeah frank look buddy if you're gonna be up in the attic yeah. but then again maybe it's just like it's just assumed that all british houses have a phantom in the attic because he is up there banging on the walls stomping around yep uh, Larry decides that he has to go check it out, and then Julia tries to distract him with her feminine wiles. Uh, but he goes up anyways, and he finds the place empty. 
We, how, we, however, see that Frank has nailed the rats in the attic to the wall for some reason. Why? Why is know. he doing that? Do that was not really know. rude. Because they yep. show you little, like, like bits and pieces of the rats all just, like, snuggling together sometimes. Yep. And then they're just like, oh, by the way. Oh, yeah. That is an this feels more like that. Like, what, what's really gross and shocking? Well, he could nail rats to the wall. Why? <laughs> Who cares? Who gives a shit? Yep. So they retire to the bedroom it. for some uh, mediocre sex while Oof. Frank watches from the closet. Again, not not subtle. He's not subtle. He is standing right behind them, sawing a rat in half. Not subtle. <laughs> yep. Pops a switchblade as if he's going to kill Larry, but instead he carves open one of the rats for some reason while Julia begs him to stop. You know, as if as if you didn't already get the point that this guy is just evil. They're going to really. But not even really evil. He just sucks. He does suck. He's just like he's like your friend's boyfriend, or you just like you get like they're happy together or whatever. But like you really don't want him around. No, you you don't have anything to say to him, and he's always doing weird shit, like kind of being misogynistic. It's that. It's (laughs) that. Always saying you can do better. Yeah, (laughs) he's not that. She's like, no, no, he's different when we're alone. So at dinner, Larry tells Kirsty that he thinks something is up with Julia. She's a nervous wreck and won't leave the house. It's like she's a really weird conversation for a father and daughter to have. I know. And then he asks her to drop by the house and check on her. Especially because it seems like Kirsty and Julia do not have a good relationship. So it's like, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. It's implied (laughs) several times throughout the movie that like they don't get along. Yeah. But every time you see them, she's like perfectly pleasant to to her. Both of them are, as a matter of fact. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So Frank demands another body. Meanwhile, in which Julia provides. She goes out and finds the most British-looking man I've ever seen. Is this one? <laughs> is this one the the blonde-haired guy? No. This is he's like this is the he's the, one with the glasses. Like, oh yeah. Darker hair. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And where where is Frank getting all these clothes? By the way, did he bring them back from hell? Is he taking them from the guys that she's killing? That's Maybe. a possibility. No, but Maybe. this time. Kirstie is nearby and she sees them entering the house together. So once they're upstairs, Julia hits him with a hammer, but it doesn't kill him. And then a commotion ensues, which Kirstie hears, and she rushes to get into the house. Look, I, this is the most contrived scene. It was like, how do we move this plot forward? And they're kind of stuck and they're like, uh, maybe Kirstie goes to the house and sees her kill somebody. Yeah. It's like, how else can we smash these people together and get this fucking story back on track? <laughs> so, yeah, so Julia hides in an adjacent room while Kirsty makes her way to the attic. And then just as she reaches the landing, the nearly dead dude lurches into the hall begging for help. But skinless Frank follows him out and finishes him off in front of her. Then he throws her into the attic room and menaces her. Menaces her, doing the come to daddy thing again. Oh. Yeah. Not cranberry sauce. No. no cran- I don't <laughs> they, like it. They struggle a bit until she finds the box on the floor. Now Frank demands that she give it to him, but she instead throws it out the window and flees. And then she picks it up on her way out the door, and eventually she collapses on the street and ends up in a hospital. Now, I am going to point out the IMDb goofs section for this movie. So Kirstie's running down the street or whatever. She's got blood on her. And she passes two nuns who just keep walking. <laughs> And the IMDb goof section says that they, this is a goof because nuns would definitely stop to help her. And it's like, yeah, because nuns are super helpful. <laughs> I was just going to say, I don't know about oh, that. Oh, the IMDb goofs are, uh, uh, they're a little desperate sometimes. Because she's just pretty... walking by yeah. and the nuns yeah. just kind of look at her and you can tell they're just like, oh, you know, I'm not my chair, gonna... not my problem. I'm yeah, gonna I'm going to go on a limb and say... <laughs> Historically, the Catholic Church is not that helpful. 
Yeah. And that just seems like one of those things that it's like, I don't know. She's got somewhere to be, I think. So I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> she's, she's handling this, whatever it is. Busy. <laughs> she knows where she needs to be. Yeah. In the hospital, Kirsty is seen over by a doctor who looks like Ron Mail from Sparks. <laughs> yes. He gives, he gives her the box that she was brought in with. And then they lock her in her room so with nothing else to do. She plays with the box until it opens a door to hell. Yep. She doesn't solve it so much there. as she just pokes at it. Yeah. yeah. She gets real excited, though. Yeah. And what she sees is a seemingly endless stone tunnel. This feels so room. Nightmare on Elm Street, this whole Yeah, part. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for horror movie reasons, she steps inside to the sound of a crying baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate that. Don't like it. So I'm sure. annoyed by it. Shortly thereafter, she comes face to face with a terrible rubber monster. One of the movie's worst effects. It's pushed on a cart that you can actually (laughs) see see underneath it. Oh, it's the worst. At one point, you can see a person pushing. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't understand why they did this because because I think they were out of time and they were out of money. Well, here's the thing: the original engineer is just a guy. They didn't need special effects. So that effects. would be much easier. <laughs> He's just this radiant dude. He's a this cinema. sounds like a this is a producer note. It must something have been. bigger, something gory, or something grosser. Because the engineer is just this guy who um, sort of emanates a light that makes it hard to look at. Like that's does it. he that's also it. ride on a trolley? Uh, presumably, <laughs> someone behind him just pushing him down the hall. Yeah, it's I, amazing. I, I do not. It must have been like, no, 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 no. We've got these people who look all fucked up. We got to have something that looks really fucked up. I love so, it. So, uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> the creature chases Kirsty back the way that she came. And when she leaps through the gap in the wall back into the hospital room, she looks behind her and sees that it's a plain old hospital wall. But the creature can still be heard behind the wall. So Which unable, again, why? I don't know. Because uh, because we gotta have yeah yeah yeah, shut up. (laughs) That's just asking questions. The name of this episode is "Don't worry about it." (laughs) It's not a big deal. No, just shut up. (laughs) So unable to put the puzzle back to its normal state, we hear the tolling of the bell, and the room takes on a sinister cast. Hell yeah! The first Cenobite to appear is the chatter chatterer. Promptly stuffs his fingers, (laughs) jams his fingers, so so many fingers and mouths. Yeah, and then because Pen- he just sort of swoops up on her, and he's just he like, does. he yep. just is like, this is what's happening right now, yep. and she just goes with it. Like, are you into this? How about this? <laughs> just checking it out. <laughs> yep. Then Pinhead materializes and speaks, and it is awesome. Oh, this is when he says, "Please, no tears. It's a waste of good suffering." He is oh, really fucking cool. Love it. He is and fucking he sounds awesome. awesome, and that's oh. his voice. He sounds great. Oh, every <laughs> time he opens his mouth is just brilliant it is lines are awesome like i don't much care for this movie at all i think it is worth watching for this scene alone yes i also love that he oh he hedges his bets here yeah because he's like maybe i'll leave you alone if you bring me frank but if you don't bring me frank i will definitely tear your soul you opened the the box and she's like well i didn't really open it i just touched it he's like shush yeah, he's no. logistics. It I opened. Don't, I don't it care. It was in your hands, okay? Yeah. 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 They Not explained worried that, about how it happened. Yeah, they explained that opening the box is like making a deal with the devil because Satan ain't waiting. <laughs> nope. Simply solving Satan, the puzzle Satan means, means so that you have to go with them, but Kirsty thinks fast, tells him that she knows where Frank is, and they can take him back instead of her. Well, she does. She asks him, who are you? And I, I got to be honest. His answer to who are you is, 
pretty insufficient. Demons well, that's, to some angels. Yeah. Under what, what circumstances are you an angel? <laughs> I guess that's where I I'm mean... going with that. I don't know. Okay, one. maybe... <laughs> He's definitely an angel to some. He is. Know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, back in the house, Frank tells Julia that they need to bail, but he needs some new skin if they're going to flee. Because the thing is, like, presumably, he's going to keep, like, ab- absorbing people until he just turns back into Frank. But he just stays all bloody and gory. And so, they they plot to take Larry's skin. So... Kirstie. I remember her protesting a bit more than she actually does in the movie. Like, she's kind of like, no, I can't. Ah, fine. <laughs> so, yeah, Kirsty escapes from the hospital with the box, but arrives at the house too late. She finds Julia in there with Larry. Or is it Larry? Yeah, you know it's not Larry. You know it's Frank because he's so moist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because his hair is all, is all fucking wet. The mm-hmm. perimeter of his flesh yeah. is just all bloody. Yeah. Like, yeah. She it's should wild. have looked at him and been like, are you okay? Yeah, she never quite, I'm like, you're not questioning no. all of this? Like, It's just not- like when Julia sees Frank and she's like, oh no. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? And also, why does Frank's voice change into Larry's voice just because he's wearing his skin? Oh, I'm yeah. like, don't you still but- have your vocal cords? And okay, like your- see? I was that, that part does bother. I'm like, you gotta explain <laughs> that to me a little yeah. bit. So, yeah, Frank, as Larry, explains to her that Frank was up in the attic, out of control, and he had no choice but to kill him. Mm-hmm. Totally characteristic of Larry's behavior. Yep. And then, then Larry uses Chekhov's catchphrase. Yep. Oh, but not not until later. Not until mm. later. So when Kirstie demands to see the body, Julia takes her upstairs and locks her in the attic, the skinless corpse of her father. And as soon as the door is shut, the Cenobites are there to collect on their deal. I love and- what they say. I love when they're just like, who the fuck did this? Like, they're just like, you better tell. It's like parents finding something broken. They're like, you better bring me the person who did this. I was going to say, bring me the one who did this. Yeah. yeah. Nope. So I then she, she flees from them and finds Frank waiting for her at the bottom of the steps. Uh, when he utters his sleazy phrase, come to daddy. And that's when she realizes what happened. Not the gore around the edges. Just no, no, not, the not fact his that face he is, literally falling off. He's extraordinarily moist. <laughs> <laughs> so she scrapes the skin off his face to escape, but is caught by Julia and held there while Frank advances with his switchblade. And she gets out of the way just in time for Frank to stab Julia. And he feeds off of her and gives chase to Kirsty, who is now upstairs. So Kirsty hides in the room adjacent to the attic where the bodies have been stashed. Now we get a little jump scare of Jesus, like I said, when a statue of Jesus falls out of a cupboard, but then stuffed at the back of the room, one of the actual bodies falls on her, pouring a mouthful of maggots on her. Oh. Yeah, want to gross me out real easy? Just add maggots. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh, add- it's a very Italian moment. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Dario Argento knows what makes yeah. me sick. Yeah. So satisfied that Frank is gone, she leaves the room and goes back out to the landing. But Frank was waiting for her in the attic. He draws the knife again and chases her into the attic room. And uh, just as it looks like he has her, the Cenobites arrive. Now, I have to say, I like this entrance because the Chatterer is kind of being real cheeky in this moment. Mm. He's got the plastic. He comes out and he's got like a sheet of plastic over him in this very like Michael Myers as the ghost kind of thing where he's just like, he's like, 
Hey, what do you think? What do you think I of this? I love that. What do you think is of this? Is this funny? Is this good? Did I get you? Make it a sense. jams his fingers in her mouth. No, I, 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 but I do, I definitely do. I love the way that the Cenobites conduct themselves where yes. it's just all business. I love that. Yeah. I feel like they lose that as the series goes on. They do. Well, yeah. Well, eventually they lose the Cenobites writ large and it's just a mm. pinhead in these movies. But um, yeah, like going forward and then like, I think the third one is when there's like a guy with a CDs in yep. his head. And yep. he uses them as like throwing stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, I hated that a that lot. That shit just gets. That one is one of the worst. Yeah. I love, that's, I that's love that movie's. That's... No, that's the, the third the one is the, the World War the space one, one is right? the fourth one. The fourth yeah. one yeah. yeah. The third one is fun because it's just reckless. <laughs> it's got <laughs> its get, moments. And you get to see Pinhead before he was Pinhead. Yeah. And I'm for that. But yeah, He looks <laughs> very similar just without pins in his head. He's so handsome. He is. <laughs> you love I'll a give British, you that. You love a British officer. We do. Who doesn't? <laughs> Yeah, I would say that is a very true statement about you. You do love a, uh, a sort of stately British man. Yeah. You're, not, not your husband, but. No, but he I mean, looks like stately. he could be. He's not British. Yeah, but he looks like he could be. People think he's European all the time. <laughs> he has a weird accent. So people always are like, where are you from? And he's like, Massachusetts. He does, does not have a weird accent. He does. If you hear him talk, he used to yes. get it all the time. People would be like like where are you from in Europe? And he was like Massachusetts. <laughs> like, I have had several conversations with him. And never once have I thought, "Well, you seem British." <laughs> I don't think British, but people thought he was like some form of European, like Dutch. Yeah, like any by, kind way, of... by way of the South Shore, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, by way of Quincy. Yeah, because he kind of looks like he could be like Norwegian. I mean, he is Norwegian, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, yep. So chains with hooks are up from everywhere and they hook Frank all over again. And then he utters the phrase, Jesus wept, which apparently in the script was just, fuck you. <laughs> but he didn't I mean, want to swear. The guy, the guy yes. who plays Larry, what's his name? Anderson. Scorpio. Oh, uh, yeah. Scorpio. Yeah. He doesn't like swearing. Oh, and so he didn't want to swear. So he ad libbed that because that is apparently like. Because I, I didn't know what Jesus wept really meant. It so feels like a very Italian. It, it feels like a, a very European saying. I yeah. think it's a people. Some people use it in place of like cursing. Yeah, like they'll and, say he it does like that. that. Like, he does that disgusting thing with his tongue. Yes. Uh, so so it's also like a mocking thing. I think. Oh. Yeah. And then his head explodes. Yeah. Yep. Oh god, I love that because they it's they also so they, they it's like the chains with the little hooks, and then there's this big one that's just like ripping its way up his back. Yeah. Oh, Apparently, so... that scene was originally uh, quite a bit gorier. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Shocked. <laughs> so with uh, Frank dealt with, the Cenobites chase Kirsty. She finds Julia's body all hooked up on the chains in the bedroom, clutching the puzzle box, which she takes as the female slowly gives chase. And now with Pinhead looming over her, she resets the box, uh, banishing uh, at least those two Cenobites from the house as the house is collapsing around her. For reasons. Yeah, and then her (laughs) dumbass boyfriend shows up just in time to almost get killed. uh, In the ugliest shirt I've ever seen. I love that shirt because it looks like it's hand painted. (laughs) That feels like like it is a a Fright Rags exclusive waiting to happen. I yep. love it. Come to Spirit Halloween 2024. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, and now 
just like in the movie Elves, where the character's name is Kirsty, but Steve, the dumb boyfriend, just as Grizzly Adams does in that one, he calls her Christy. And it's just in there. <laughs> yeah, but in Elves, they don't really try that hard. <laughs> they, they, give it a, they give it a pretty solid go in this one. Yep. And so as they're about to leave the house, they're attacked by the engineer and his profoundly crappy appendages. He punches Steve in the face. <laughs> Straight up. It's so yeah. funny. I laugh out loud oh, every and time. And there's something that he's, uh, oh, she's trying to fix the box and he like tries to take it and do it for her. It. And she's like, get the fuck away from she's me. She's literally yeah. like, fuck you. I got it. I, I you don't it. have any experience with yeah, this. Like, I am skilled you? at Pat, solving this puzzle box. This movie passes the Bechdel test. It, it really does. does. <laughs> yeah. And so they eventually they fix the box, completely banishing the engineer. And so now the house completely consumed by flame. Apparently it's just like piles of burning rocks. Kirsty throws the box on the fire, but the uh, homeless guy from before shows up. The, the, derelict. In, yeah, the <laughs> derelict. He reaches into the fire. The, what they call it in the peanut butter solution, a rubby dub. Yeah. <laughs> that, that movie. <laughs> so he, he reaches into the fire to take it. And then he turns into this big winged monster that flies away. Is the, the most heavy metal ending you can ever come up with. It's and pretty they gnarly. are pretty unfazed. Like they yeah. do, which I guess after you've seen I mean, it, At this point, seen. like, yeah, like they are yeah. severely traumatized. I think the next yeah. movie just picks up and they're just like, yeah, of course she's going to be in a metal. Yeah, I'm sure she's yeah, probably just, just like, like, well, yeah. I guess what did I think was going to happen if I threw yeah. it into the fire? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Big, yep. uh, big Ronnie James Dio dragon, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So the box is found back on the table in the busy Asian market as another sweaty dude buys it. Cut to black, roll credits. Hey, yeah, yeah. Well, Ooh, I've got a question. A I've got a question for all y'all. And Elena, I'm going to start with you because you're the guest. Ask me. So uh, you've, you've seen this movie many times. How do you think this movie still holds up today? It's, you know, it's hard to say. <laughs> for me, it's hard to say on my side because I have like a nostalgia thing attached to it. But I can say from looking at it, I had John watch this movie for the first time ever. He had never seen it. He fucking hated it. Like he like wow. like 15 minutes into the movie, he was like, do we have to finish this, though? And I was like, yes, we do. Because he was like, it's so fucking ugly. I he, hate, he was like, it's ugly. And he was like, I hate all these people. Like, I have no connection to any of these people. He was so mad. And I was like, what do you mean? Was like, Is he not a horror movie guy? He's not a super horror movie guy. He'll so like you can. You can get him into certain ones. You just never know which one's going to hit. So I'm always oh, yeah. trying different ones with him because sometimes it's like shocking what hits for him. Weirdly, this... he loves Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> His favorite no, one. No, he's no, never no. seen that. I was, I, I, <laughs> I'm over here. Like, like, that's he, not a yeah. movie you share with people. <laughs> yeah, you guys really want to upset them. I know. Looking at me, you guys were probably like, did he just freeze again? Because <laughs> you just went like into paralysis. Because <laughs> no. like, really? <laughs> You're like, wow, that's. That's a lot. But no, he was not. This was not for him. So when I think about and I and Ash watched it for the first time mm -hmm. this year with me, I made her watch it. And she was kind of like half in, half out with it. But she was kind of like, what's going on? So I don't know if it holds up for everyone. I got to wonder if it really is like um, just if it just has a lot of the cachet that it does because of nostalgia. Yeah. Because also like, it's kind of like what he said at the beginning where like, this is sort of like where you sort of start to feel like you're remembering everything. But like this period, like the late eighties for me, like I was 
just becoming a teenager at the time. And so like, the, and like this is when there was all of a sudden like a glut of horror movies and sort of like all of a sudden like my parents don't really care as much as they used to about like what I'm watching and so like all of a sudden I'm seeing everything for the first time and this was definitely among them because this was like one of the holy grails mm-hmm. and so like I gotta wonder if it's just like it if you've never seen it before you didn't really grow up with it if it's going to have the same sort of effect on you. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing. If you didn't grow up with it, like if it wasn't a part of you already, it might yeah. be a strange thing to watch. Yeah, I'm going to be you. the outlier again here. I'm going to tell you what. I think this movie, it is very much of its time. It feels of its era. And mm-hmm. yes, I think everything that you guys are saying are true. Thematically, I think this reads better today than it did then. Yeah, it works better I as a story because that. that new one, that reboot, is essentially the same story more or less, and it they're able to do with it what he probably wanted to do with it. Mm. That it feels yeah. like a more modern story now. It's just that it is stuck in its era and it is confined by its era, by its budget, and by interference from people who aren't Clyde Barker. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I think that if he had his way, this movie would be way more explicit in terms of its sexuality, not just its violence, but like it would have been a much more frank movie than it is. Because what is definitely I'm definitely with you that what is presented as like transgressive, edgy sex is like (sighs) it's like asking it's like asking an evangelical person to describe S&M to you. Like, yeah, yeah, that's what you this, get. You get this yeah. real like, oh, watered down, like, yeah, there's a switchblade and, you know, yeah, some, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yep. I also, I had read that um, Pinhead, which I kind of love, Pinhead was supposed to be in Freddy versus Jason. There oh, was. Oh, there were so many. There were supposed to they be They were so going to be sent to hell and he was going to be there. That Well, that made sense because they were trying to get. That. They were trying to do Hellraiser in. Well, Dimension owns Hellraiser for a yeah. while, right? Yeah. So there was at one point before. Uh, what what is it? Halloween Resurrection was the last one. Yes. Before before the green ones, yeah. So before they made that, they were trying. They were like, well, what if we did this with Halloween also? Like like Michael Myers versus blah. And they were like, oh well, what if Michael Myers is like a sex pervert and he runs into Pinhead? And so like there was at least a script treatment for that movie made before they put up before they put a a poll on like the (laughs) Halloween movies website. We're like, hey fans, what do you think of this? And everybody was like, fuck. He's like, no, thank you. Yeah. So, I was yeah, just we dodged... shocked. I was like, imagine if that was the end of Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> <laughs> the, just... the versus, that's, that is the real, that's the pinnacle of, that's how you know horror was over. That era was done. Is like when you've got them battling each other. Like, Jesus Christ. That movie is unbelievable. And then we get like nine <laughs> years of like really shitty reboots. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yep. Hellraiser, everybody. <laughs> I definitely, I, you know, I'll tell you what. I definitely, doing this episode, I definitely gained a much greater appreciation for it. Like, I just, I, I like it better than I did before, I'd say. Like, it's a, it's definitely, it definitely grows on me every time I watch it. I like the sequel, uh, I think, a little bit more than this, just because it kind of opens mm. the book a little wider. There's a little bit more to know about. Like, more we find Cenobites. out that there's, yeah, there's more Cenobites. There's more boxes. There's, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's a whole thing. Um, but like I said, that that remake they did on Hulu is so good. 
Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's like a hot take or anything like that. I know people. No, I think are, it was pretty well are, are, received. Yeah, it's a more cohesive like, narrative. It feels like it's you, you get the story from beginning to end. There's not a lot of like uh, kind of weird unanswered bullshit or like stuff that's kind of gratuitous things that are stuck. There's a little bit of that, but hmm. there's not a lot of it like there is in this movie. They really lean in. I think because it's the late '80s and horror is kind of dying by this point. I think there's a lot of that dumb bullshit in this that they don't do in the new one. Yeah. And it feels it just feels like a like a better it's a more thoughtful version of the story. Yeah. Oh, I want to watch it. Yeah, definitely do so because mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I enjoyed it tremendously. Mm-hmm. You, st- you can still get it. I wish I wish there was like a physical media version of it that I can get. I don't Is there believe, not? I don't believe there is. Cuz it was a, like a Hulu thing. Bastards. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't yeah, they don't they don't they don't do that kind of thing. But anyways, Elena, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for this having been, me. Yeah, this has been great. <laughs> this, this is been awesome. Great. Yeah. So um, what do you got going on? Where can people find you and all that? Oh, do man, you I want usually... people to find you? <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 I usually make Ash do this part because she knows all our social media. Uh, so I think you can find Morbid Podcast anywhere. Uh, we're on Instagram. I don't know where else we are. I think we're on TikTok too, but I don't think we do anything else. But you can listen to us anywhere. And we have the rewatcher, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we are rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Ash for the first time, me for the hundredth time. Hmm. Um, and you can also follow our horror movie podcast with our friend Caleb called Scream. Um, and you can look out for my second book coming out in the near future. And I will All have right. a date soon for that. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back in a week with Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm-hmm.